Our industry absolutely must get better at providing culturally responsive care. And that's what this podcast is about. We're going to talk about health equity or social justice for health. Achieving health equity requires addressing avoidable inequities, historical and contemporary injustices, and the elimination of healthcare disparities. At Providence, we believe that action must follow promising words. That is why we listen to our patients and to community partners on their experiences receiving care and then take action. Let us keep two things in mind as we listen and learn today. Number one, the themes you hear may be common in the populations represented. And two, please remember that one person's experience is not the experience of everyone in that population. Welcome back. Today we are going to be hearing a bit more about the system that is developing to support community health workers as the workforce integrates more within the medical system. Later in the program, we will hear from two leaders at Providence who have helped develop a unique program in partnership with Charles Drew University that trains CHWs. But first, let's dive into a conversation with Rebecca Valentine, Senior Manager of Population Health in Alaska, and Rachel Udow from MHP Salud, a national nonprofit organization. Their mission is to serve communities by embracing the strengths and experiences of individuals and families. We begin with Rebecca reflecting on how the CHW role is different than what exists in a typical medical system. The ability for a community health worker to be in an individual's home, um, their place of work, uh, meeting them at a park where their children play, the, the flexibility that's built into the role um, of community health worker goes a long way and really makes uh, their um, their job unique and their ability to build relationship with these individuals unique. Uh, the other element to that is because they're able to work at a pace that's much different than um, the current healthcare system that we see in which the 20 minute appointment is, is sort of the norm right now, um, that different pace allows uh, the community health worker to do entirely different work um, that's really um, human work. And so one thing that comes to mind here is that discrimination and inequity and oppression kill hope. And I seek care and services because my privilege has told me to expect better for myself. If, if I'm unwell, I expect that I can change that. But when cultures and systems have told people that they don't belong, that their language, their culture, their specific needs are an inconvenience, they stop hoping for and expecting better for themselves. And our, our promise at Providence is know me, care for me, ease my way. The community health workers live this promise with every interaction that they have uh, with the people we serve because they know what it feels like to be unseen and uncared for. And they're really driven to change that for those in our community. And that really makes them stand out um, in the care they provide. And um, I'm not meaning to say that they care more 
than other individuals who work within our system. Um, they're just afforded um, the time to offer hope back to people. Thank you, Rebecca. I appreciate that perspective. Could you share a bit about the CHW program in Alaska that you're supporting and the learning journey that you all have been on in the last few years to support the neighbors and community members you work with? Yes, of course. Um, so I've been supporting this work here for about a year and a half now. And it's really been a great honor to do this work due to the opportunity to learn and grow along with the community health worker team. Um, so everything we do from hiring practices to supporting of staff um, to internal and external work all has to be questioned. Um, the autopilot that can feel really comfortable to us really does not serve us well in this work. Um, we know that past practices haven't been equitable and haven't led to health or quality of life for all people. Um, and now that we know better um, through the data and through anecdotal stories, we really are called upon to do better. Um, and unfortunately, what I'm finding in this work is that there isn't a simple roadmap on how to do better for all people. So our work and our learning um, really requires that we remain humble, that we question our assumptions, and that we're not afraid um, in this learning jump uh, journey to stumble or really even um, fall. And that when we do uh, stumble, we just try to move forward, hoping that we're one step closer to the methods and workflows that work. Um, but the learning is, is going to be ongoing. Um, part of that learning is learning from programs um, that are farther along in the journey than we are, um, learning from other um, organizations and entities uh, in our region that have longer experience with the individuals that we're trying to serve. And then, you know, learning from the neighbors that we work with every day and asking them, how can we do better? Um, what are your needs? How are your needs being met? How are they not being met? One thing that weighs heavily on me um, in this work is gaining a better understanding of how peripheral peripheral discrimination really impacts the health um, of these individuals um, that suffer from chronic conditions in that what we see is multi-generational families um, living together and or really tight-knit communities um, such that if an elder um, had a harmful experience um, decades ago, that can impact the health of their great-grandchildren today um, because of sharing the story of what happened to them. And um, so, so it's not just current discrimination that's happening today, but things that happened in the future that we're really being forced at this time to learn about, um, and rightly so. Um, and really attempting to learn how to address um, in ways that can lead to better outcomes for everyone.
Rachel, I'm curious how you believe CHWs help us in learning that. Why is this such a uniquely important role to combating these huge systemic problems that we have? I think um, for me, it ultimately comes down again to that unique role of CHW as the bridge between the communities and health and social resources in the community. Um, you know, CHWs are building trust by putting their community's needs and priorities front and center. Um, not that other professions don't do that, but it's really the call of the CHW to do that first and foremost. Um, and again, just by helping clients address barriers to health and access the resources that are available to them, but simultaneously helping those institutions that they work for, again, get that understanding of what their clients are experiencing. Um, you know, Becca, as you were talking about the you know trauma that can continue through generations that might affect what someone's going through today and what they're experiencing that may be a barrier to the health outcomes that they want to achieve um, or at least play into it. CHWs have that context. They have that information. They can be bringing that information back to the healthcare teams that they work on to help provide that context. Um, and I just think we're not able to eliminate health inequities exclusively at the patient level. We're not able to do it exclusively at the institutional level. It takes both parties, both perspectives and CHWs, <coughs> excuse me, CHWs are really that link that can bring those two together. And that ability to link is so critical to this work. And um, again, it makes me think about the community health workers' ability to really uh, become close to individuals by intimately becoming a part of their lives, um, whether it be joining them over their lunch break at work and talking about health, whether it's you know meeting them at a park with their children and um, filling out applications for social resources, um, whether it be going into an, an individual's home um, to be providing care there, but they have the ability um, that's so unique to be the eyes and ears of the medical system and through the electronic health record, be able to provide information back to, um, to primary care physicians or to social workers um, within our system who um, might have engagements with these individuals and, and provide details and variables that, that are impactful to this person's um, condition that medical providers just do not have the time um, to, to find and to explore like the community health workers do. So the community health workers are really part, one part of um, a much broader team and together this team can, can make powerful impacts. Becca, I think it's so important what you're saying about the integration of CHWs into those care teams. And I think the profession has gained a lot of understanding about that importance um, over recent years, and especially with the Affordable uh, Care Act and things like that. But I know one challenge with um, healthcare organizations and others that are um, incorporating CHWs into their work for the first time is sometimes it'll be this kind of ancillary program or effort on the side where the CHWs are doing their CHW thing in the community, 
but it's not connecting back to the wider healthcare team. And, um, you know, when you're talking about CHWs being able to enter this valuable information into the record and access the record appropriately, they both gain context and give context. That's when um, the contribution and the value of CHWs is really lifted up and can be recognized. So I think the more that groups like um, Providence and many others are um, able to continue doing that integration and really focus on that, um, the more we'll be able to see uh, that value showcased in those outcomes. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and those benefits are impactful, um, not only to the hospital um, in seeing fewer visits to the emergency room, you know, better care at the appropriate time and the appropriate level, um, and hopefully, you know, fewer and shorter inpatient stays. You know, the hospital systems love um, those outcomes, but but really, at the human level, that equates to quality of life um, for these community members. In that, um, you know, visits to the ED are expensive. Um, they impact the bottom line. Um, longer lengths of stay at the hospital are, are negatively impactful um, financially and really throughout their entire family and community. So, um, so this work really benefits both sides, the, the medical facilities and the community. Thank you. I appreciate the conversation and it, it really sounds like from hearing both of you talk that CHWs are really an integral part to a care team and that we have an opportunity to flip the way that we have traditionally understood a care team in a medical system to include roles like community health workers in order to better provide more holistic responsive care. Is there anything else that you think we can learn from or do to support community health workers in their approach to patient community, patient and community care to increase the cultural responsiveness to, uh, of the care team overall? Sure, I can think of um, many, so I'll try to be brief. Um, you know, I think one component is just advocating for sustainable funding for community health workers. One thing we've touched on a lot during this conversation is the way that CHWs address a whole person and all of their needs, whatever may come up, which is not always predictable. Um, but currently, a lot of funding for CHW initiatives is grant-focused or fee-for-service in a way that is um, very targeted to one specific thing, which then kind of puts the burden on the CHW or the CHW program to piece all of that together in a way that can serve the whole person. And CHWs will figure it out. CHWs find a way. They are incredible in that sense. But um, I would love for them to not carry the burden of having to figure that out as much as they do. Um, I think another component is just that CHWs really be seen as respected peers within an organization. And through this conversation, it's so clear that um, in this Providence programming that that is uh, core to what you all are doing. And, um, you know, I think sometimes with organizations who are just gaining familiarity with the CHW role and may not be clear, you can end up in situations where CHWs are doing kind of administrative work like copying or filing documents um, and not doing what they do best, which is being out in the community, serving patients in the community and bringing that really valuable context back to the care team. 
Um, and lastly, I would just mention, you know, hiring CHWs, including them from beginning to end in the processes. We do that with data and evaluation in our organization and program planning and making sure that it's not just, okay, here's this initiative and structure that we're handing to you to carry out in the community, but your perspective and everything that you know about your community as a CHW is feeding into the planning and feeding into what we ultimately um, do. So those are a few things that come to mind for me. Uh, I really agree with what Rachel has to say. And um, <laughs> I also, uh, I feel pretty aggressive about this question in that um, I, I see two big opportunities um, in that the community health workers really hear from those in the community and how they're treated as part of a care team within the traditional healthcare system that we um, currently have. And then they are also patients themselves within those systems. And the stories from the community health workers themselves, who are often part of um, these communities that we're serving, and um, from the neighbors that they serve, are often really unsettling stories. And so I feel like this, this change in in requiring a different responsiveness of the care team has to start at the interview stage of, of welcoming people into these systems. We have to assess for people's willingness to change and grow and be challenged uh, around these equity issues. I feel like we need internal systems by which caregivers are provided opportunity to understand the ills of, of our old ways and the old systems uh, that we've been using and that we have to be intolerant to injustice at all levels. Uh, I also feel like the channels by which we hear of these injustices um, from the community health workers or um, really all um, voices is too limited and the actions taken are too small, I feel at this point. So I'd really like to see steps taken um, to make complacency less comfortable for people. And, you know, I do acknowledge that change doesn't happen overnight, that these sort of changes won't be swift, but they have to be made a priority. Gosh, I, I really appreciate both of your reflections on that question. And I think something that Angela Merrith, um, our host of this, this series, talks about a lot is how important it is to have those uncomfortable conversations mm -hmm. um, and how the community health workers for Providence and the $50 million investment that Providence made on behalf of health equity are steps towards that path forward for us. Um, and I am just so thrilled that both of you are at the forefront of this work, um, championing this work and supporting community health workers um, and uh, the communities by proxy in this process. Um, I just wanna thank you both um, for your time here today. Um, I feel like I have learned so much in listening to both of you. Um, and I'm really looking forward to continuing this conversation regarding health system strategies to providing more culturally responsive care 
Um, if you're interested in learning more, please visit providence.org. And to visit our health equity website, go to the show notes for this episode and find the link. If you're curious to learn more about the amazing work that MHP Salud does, please visit their website at mhpsalud.org. Rebecca, Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Um, again, I, I feel honored to be able to sit with you both for this time and learn, learn from both of you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Now we will hear about the training and education system for CHWs. For this, I'd like to welcome back my colleague, Angela Merrith. Thanks, Hannah. I learned a great deal from chatting with Justin Joe and Juan Mendez, who lead CHW programming across Southern California at Providence. They also, in partnership with Charles Drew University, have built a CHW Academy. We'll hear more about the ways this program is groundbreaking and the training for CHWs. Love to talk about our Community Health Worker Academy that uh, we established a couple years ago. And it really stemmed from this experience that Juan and I had as uh, healthcare leaders trying to internally within Providence establish that community health worker workforce just just within our little bubble from from that many peers and other healthcare organizations would ask us all the time of like well how did you get this started how did you uh incorporate these chws onto your teams how did you get them placed into your emergency departments or how did you train folks and we really realized that there was a there was a bit of a gap in terms of uh, training opportunities. We would hire a lot of folks from the community and then just train them on the job. And we didn't have a formal curriculum to to establish some of the workplace skills. Um, so it, it all be sort of a ad hoc learn by experience for each as a journey for each of the community health workers that we had. And we thought we could do this a little bit better. We could do this a little bit more strategically. So let's let's come up with an academy and come up with a curriculum. And so we partnered with an academic uh, organization to to create a training curriculum based upon some national standards of competencies for for community health workers. Uh, it's known as like the C3 uh, core competencies. And uh, we paired that with partnering with healthcare organizations in Los Angeles, both hospitals and community clinics to have CHW interns who are getting trained on this curriculum while gaining some initial work experience at a clinic or in a hospital. And it was designed both to train folks to become community health workers, but also to establish some organizational capacity for these interested healthcare organizations in CHWs that didn't really know how to just get started. It's been a really neat uh, partnership opportunity there. Juan, do you want to talk a little bit about just your journey in this and how, and how you helped really get it started personally too? Thank you, Justin. When I was completing my, my master's in public health um, with University of uh, Charles Drew University, uh, there was, you know, all this was happening, you know, with uh, in, internally recognizing the need of really Really looking at how can we formalize a CHW training, not just for existing CHWs, but also for any new ones that we're, you know, bringing on. And so there was this tremendous need uh, of it. And so 
through that experience of while I was still in school completing uh, my, the program, you know, I we've um, where I was able to reach out and partner with the dean of of Charles Drew School of Public Health, and from that point on, we started kind of looking at uh, talking about the uh, the uh, the uh, this wonderful idea that we both had, and from that point on, we started looking at okay. Yeah, I think this is very doable. And so we brought all the uh, uh, key leaders in place. And and then from that point, you know, we started, you know, sort of like really putting things, these ideas on paper. And the end product now, you know, uh, what the academy consists of now is really is a 16-week paid internship program, you know, that consists of 240 hours of didactic training or didactic learning, um, which is guided by a, a standard-based curriculum. And um, after those 240 hours are completed of that training, you know, the, or interns then get transitioned and placed in the uh, in the internship site. So whether it's in a local FQEC or hospital system, they complete 400 hours of that hands-on uh, work-based experience. And that ultimately can lead with uh, another opportunity of potentially employing them after they complete the academy. So one of our biggest goals is, you know, not only just the training part of it, but also um, completing uh, not just the training part of it and going through the internship, but ultimately uh, establishing long-term employment with the organization that that they completed their internship in. And so that has been a really good sort of accomplishment that we're also very proud of, you know, that over the over the course of those uh, three cohorts that we've completed, you know, we've had really, you know, success rate of uh, students completing the academy, but also retained employment within those organizations. And, uh, and we are currently uh, having the or one of our cohorts in, in action. But the idea is to continue expanding, you know, rebuilding these new partnerships um, with healthcare organizations across LA, LA County. And so there's a lot of momentum happening there. And we're, you know, continuing to look for, you know, these like, opportunities to give broader opportunities to, to new CHWs, not um, across various uh, regions of LA, uh, LA County. Yeah, the, the Academy has been... We started it uh, what, in 2020, so of course in the middle of a pandemic. And I think that during that time, the momentum for community health workers, uh, we've just seen such an explosion of, of, of interest across so many different sectors. So not just in, in the healthcare industry, but in public health, on the, on the government side, in health insurance plans. Uh, so... Uh, there's a lot of of new things happening, like where where we are in California, in which it's becoming a job or a role that that Medi-Cal will reimburse for the work that a community health worker uh, can do, which just happened like a year ago. So because of that, you know, that naturally leads to some more interest from from healthcare organizations because they can sustain these roles and these jobs in, in a better fashion. Um, there's also been movement towards having some certification requirements for community health workers. And that's where the academy um, really aligns with that to be able to uh, train CHWs to get that certification. 
Juan mentioned earlier that that, that that has sometimes been a barrier for for healthcare organizations to incorporate CHWs. It's an industry that has a lot of of roles that have licensures, you know, doctors, nurses, social workers. That's just the nature of our industry to have a lot of credentialing that that's needed. And a community health worker has a lot of informal uh, roles and tasks and not everything I think can be quantified in a certificate, but to have that pathway for, for folks, I think provides a better sense of identity for the role and um, can be a way to expand the awareness and, and, and grow, uh, grow, grow the workforce as well. Um, a, a new evolution and phase that we're, do, that, that we're working on with the Academy is to um, try to recruit younger folks, opportunity youth, in the ages of 18 to 24 to to know about the career pathway that can happen or as a entry level uh, starting job as a community health worker when i was that age i had never heard of heard of the role before so so i think that that's that's another angle or or area of growth for us with the academy uh, in the next couple of years so thank you so much for telling us about this academy for for taking such good care of such an important role in our healthcare organization and for for really addressing health inequities. I want to thank you very much for both of your time today. And we're, we're friends now, so I'm here for you as well. And whatever I can do to support your work, I'd be honored. Thank you so much. Thank you, Angela. We really appreciate the, the opportunity and, and you letting us uh, have a few minutes to tell our story and, and talk about community health workers. Absolutely. Likewise, Angela, this was uh, wonderful. We need to continue enhancing and recognizing the work of a CHW show. This was a, a great opportunity for that. This was such an interesting episode, Angela. Building a program that can train and develop a pipeline of CHWs will be so beneficial to the community. This is especially important as more and more CHWs are being hired by health systems. Oh, interesting. So what do you see happening nationally for health systems when it comes to growing CHW programs? Well, I think health systems are beginning to realize that they need to provide care differently and provide care in a more responsive way. And CHWs can be a strategy to support that. And so more and more health systems are beginning to hire and integrate CHWs within the traditional medical model. And broadly across the country, we see a lot of research indicating that CHWs involved in people's medical care can uh, better health outcomes. And so more and more CHWs are being hired, and then there's less and less uh, CHWs within that pipeline to then be able to further matriculate within the health systems. So the CHW Academy can only help with that. That's great. Um, I, it, does that mean that there could be a like potential for actually reimbursing um, the services that CHWs provide? Absolutely. We see a couple of the states across the country, two within Providence's footprint on Oregon and California, uh, piloting different benefits to bill through Medicaid. Now for 2024, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which fund programs like Medicare, are thinking about reimbursing on a national level for CHW services. This is a really interesting change in the market and one that I think will have great impact on the sustainability of these programs. 
Well, that's super exciting. Um, you know, a program like the CHW Academy and healthcare organizations that have supportive structures from HR to training will really be foundational to that. Absolutely. I think one of the key things to think about is it's not only the uh, pipeline for CHWs, that's a huge component of it, but also then the supportive HR structures like you're talking about to ensure that we not only can recruit those CHW candidates, but also retain them within the healthcare organizations that are hiring them. Wonderful. Hannah, can you tell us what our next episode is going to focus on? Next up, we're going to switch gears and hear from Sylvia Kennedy, a CHW in Central Washington, and Tui Nguyen, who leads the health equity work for Providence's revenue cycle. Sylvia shares her experience working for and within her community, and particularly the deep impact financial insecurity has on people's health outcomes and well-being. Tui then shares what Providence is doing to support equitable access to financial assistance and financial counseling. Looking forward to it, Hannah. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Let us all stand together recognizing action must follow promising words.